0: Welcome to the second of two podcasts downloadable from fact461.co.uk. The podcasts celebrate the release of Factory Records, the complete graphic album, a book which collects together much of the output of the famous Manchester record label and provides some marvellous commentary to accompany the images. What we're going to do is listen to some extracts from the book's introduction, along with clips of some of the music that provided the vehicle for this wonderful artwork. The podcasts are independently produced and we encourage you to follow the link on the FAC461.co.uk website to buy a copy of this excellent piece of work if you haven't already done so. Hope you enjoy the podcasts and the book. While Peter Saville may have laid the foundations of the factory style, he did not by any means design everything for the label. His departure to London in 1979, combined with increasing fees, lack of interest in certain briefs, and a tendency to deliver rather slowly, soon opened the doors for other aspiring designers. It also presented the opportunity for non-designers to take responsibility for producing artwork. Bands including The Wake. ACR, Swamp Children and even Tony Wilson himself had a hand in the design side of things. Take a trip. With the strong sense of community in Manchester, and the cult following that Factory had already built up in a short space of time, it was not hard to find new design talent, even within the music scene. With this came a range of approaches. Some of these new designers worked in accordance with the de facto house style set by Saville, but others took the opportunity to experiment. New relationships formed between bands and designers, ones which in most cases were mutually beneficial. It's fascinating to trace the evolution of individual designers and observe their development relative to the band. After Saville, the most prolific of the 30 or so designers commissioned by the label were Martin Atkins, Mark Farrow, Trevor Johnson, 8VO and Central Station Design. Their distinctive approaches diversified the factory lexicon, with each individual body of work demonstrating a visual journey of discovery, from elementary exercises to sophisticated compositions. This rich assortment of varied practices is itself a microcosm of the design industry. Martin Atkins was one of the first independent designers to take on work for Factory after Saville. Atkins had worked with Saville on several projects, including Joy Division's album Closer. His own input was a deviation from the austere nature of this work, injecting a degree of graphic wit. The 12 inch design for FAC 18. Section 25's Girls Don't Count is the antithesis of the 7 inch version designed by Ben Kelly and Peter Saville. Instead of an industrial vernacular, the viewer is presented with suburban pitch. In 1982, Mark Farrow, a local graphic designer inspired by Seville's work, was commissioned to design the 7-inch single for new factory act, Stockholm Monsters. He made his own exuberant statement using mock leather paper stock and foil stamp printing. Over a series of sleeves, Farrow's work challenged given formats and production techniques. By the 1990s he had become one of the most renowned sleeve designers around, having defined the graphic profile of the Pet Shop Boys and worked with other performers such as the Manic Street Preachers, Kylie Minogue and Spiritualized. Trevor Johnson's debut was also unusual, an LP cover that worked both independently and as part of a larger composition when combined with 8 other copies of the album. Johnson's highly competent appropriation of 20th century graphic motifs, iconography and lettering would be a key attribute of his early work. By 1986 Johnson would be in partnership with Tony Panis and as Johnson Panis they would become key designers of the Manchester scene. Johnson has continued to generate a phenomenal amount of work, playing a key role in the visual landscape of contemporary Manchester. 8VO were established in 1984 by designers Mark Holt and Michael Johnston, with Hamish Muir joining the following year. Holt, who had previously worked for the label, was approached to design the Deruti column's fourth LP for Factory. Confident in their methodologies, 8VO reacted against the broader design language of Britain at the time, and demonstrated greater interest in typographically led communication. They recall Wilson's usual brief being, just make it better than last time, and saw such open briefs as an opportunity to experiment, drawing parallels between their own practice and the progressive nature of the Durruti column's music. Other significant works, include their five poster designs for the Hacienda nightclub anniversaries between 1985 and 1991. Their body of work is a prime example of the evolution of practice and is also an example of designers making the transition from analog to digital production methods with the arrival of desktop publishing in the late 1980s. The boldest rejection of the factory style actually came from within the label through the work of central station design The work produced by brothers Matt and Pat Carroll and Karen Jackson is the antithesis of the Savile look. Loose, humorous, playful, layered, multicoloured constructs confounded those who recognised the label for its austere, minimal and at times self-referential output. Central have frequently expressed their disdain for the almost elitist attitude of many designers and as much as they respected Savile, imitation was never on the agenda since they could only design in a way that reflected their own experiences. In any case, the music scene in Manchester had changed dramatically since the late 1970s. The close relationship between their work and the music they designed for is primarily down to the fact that the Carroll brothers were close relatives of Sean Ryder and Paul Ryder, respectively singer and bass player in the Happy Mondays. Shortly after their formation, the Mondays were caught up in one of the biggest pop cultural periods in the UK since punk. The rave and mad Chester scenes brought together electronic dance music from the US with a homegrown brand of guitar-based rock. And this fusion also coincided with the arrival of the drug Ecstasy from the continent. Central Station's Dayglow palette coloured that scene and features prominently in the factory catalogue from 1988 onwards infiltrating the work of most other designers. In the same way that Savile branded the post-punk movement, so too did Central brand the rave generation. Yeah. factory's legacy today exists on many levels. The success and redevelopment of modern day Manchester owes a huge debt to factory. Yet with offshoots in the Benelux countries, America and Australia, the label was also a global brand. Not only did it have some of the most innovative bands and interesting approaches to design, but arguably the world's most famous nightclub, the Hacienda. Opened in a converted yacht showroom it set new standards in club design and had a global impact on the club culture. FAC 201 Dry was also a remarkable addition to Manchester's nightlife and was way ahead of its time in terms of bringing a Barcelona standard bar to provincial Britain. Factory's effective reactivation of decayed urban spaces is now the norm, despite being unheard of at the time, and bars like Dry are scattered throughout the city. In the same vein, loft apartments... Tony Wilson's unfulfilled dream, envisaged in 1984, are now the standard for any city living. These interventions help redefine the fabric of this modern city. Similarly, Factory's legacy continues to influence the creative industries to this day, whether as a literal appropriation of the label's obvious graphic signifiers, or in the adoption of the more minimal visual codes used by the label. But this is not surprising given that the creative decision-makers of today grew up during the post-punk era. More importantly, factory brought design to those less likely to be exposed to it in everyday life, through record sleeves, ephemera and built spaces. These strategies were not calculated manoeuvres designed to exploit the consumer. Rather, they were about aspiration, making something more of our lives. Compared to the hijacking of design by marketing and advertising, This is a case study of a real alternative space to thrive. In a consumer culture that increasingly diminishes our desire to create, Factory continues to inspire a range of individuals in their pursuits, including design.